0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God and your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Last night, I had the uh, privilege of attending a graduation party for one of the graduates here at our church. And I remember when I received this invitation in the mail... I was quite impressed with the level of quality that is produced these days on invitations and especially the photos within them. I like to consider myself to be somewhat of a photographer. I am not a professional by any means, but I do like to have a vision of something I have in my mind. And I like to make that vision come to life through a photo or a video. And so not only do I like photography, but I appreciate high quality and high level of uh, photography work. And long and behold, when I stepped into the house last night, not only was the invitation done up well, but there were several pictures, definitely over 100 of the graduate. And as I look through these pictures, I'm like, I can tell most of them were done by what I would seem to say is a professional photographer. They were really well done, and it also helps when the person in the photo is very photogenic. That helps add to the quality of the photo because I like high-quality photos. Now, I remember when I graduated, the pictures weren't quite the quality that um, you would say they are nowadays. Um, Here is a picture of my graduation. I know what you all are thinking. Yes. Yes. I know what you all are thinking. Boy, did he age well. (laughs) I remember I did not really care for my graduation pictures because mine were done at a Walmart. Remember when Walmart had photo booths? I asked my mother about this the other day, and she believes that the reason we had them done at Walmart was she had a coupon. And so I did not like my graduation pictures because I'm like, they look the same. I showed these to the people in the office the other day, and Dale's like, that is your typical graduation photo from X amount of years ago. Everyone did that pose and I did not like that. But I were, I was thankful. However, they let me have the guitar in the picture. And that's why I'm like, okay, this is the one. But the level of quality of the photo back then does not compare to the level of quality in our photos nowadays. And I appreciate high quality photos. And if you have a smartphone, if you have a smartphone, you are able to take high-quality photos these days. You can be a semi-professional photographer. And if you have a photo, I'm sorry, if you have a camera, you can take those photos, but listen up. Has this ever happened to you before? Maybe you are in front of a great scene. Maybe you're in front of a great plate of food. Did you know people take pictures of food nowadays? That's a thing. But maybe you're in front of a great plate of food that you want to take a picture of, or maybe you're in front of a great scene or a great uh a great monument, a landmark, whatever it is, and you think to yourself, okay, I want to take a picture of this because I want to remember it forever. And so what you do is you get out your phone, and then you turn on your camera app, and you start messing with the different lightings and the different contrast, and uh, maybe you're scrolling through some filters you might even tip it to the side you might even get down to add a dramatic effect as soon as you get into your frame the picture that you had in your mind and you're like yes this is it this is the picture that i want right as your hand gets ready to hit that button somebody goes photobomb right then you wonder what prison's gonna be like after you punch them Here's why it's frustrating. Here's why it's frustrating. When you pull out your phone, it's supposed to be an indicator to everybody in the room that you have in mind a picture that you want to see, you have a vision that you want to capture, you have dedicated seven to nine seconds of your entire life to make that happen, and they mess it up because they think it's funny. You know, we was in Mexico at the beginning of this month, and our last night in Mexico, we ate at this wonderful restaurant. It's called The Point. And it is this restaurant that sits out on this pier in Mexico on the West Coast. Beautiful place, great food. And after dinner, we came back out onto the pier, and people started taking pictures. And rightly so, it was a beautiful scene. You had the pier, you had West Coast water behind you, the sunset was starting to happen. I thought to myself, you know what, I want to take a picture of myself and Tony Brockmeyer. We have two uh, WCC ministers in Mexico at the same time. Let's take a picture, send it back to the staff, and see if anybody gets jealous. So that's, that's the picture we took. And Tony's like, okay, well, where do you want to take the picture? I'm like, well, right up here against this pier. Remember, I have this thought out. I have a vision. I'm pretty much a professional by this point, right? And so we get against this pier, and I do that thing, you know, where you lean against the pier, and then you cross your legs. You know, and then I put my hand in my pocket, but you got to leave that thumb out because that makes it look cool. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, this is it. And Tony stands here. And of course, no matter what picture Tony's in, he looks cool. And so we're standing here. and I'm like, yes, this is the picture. This is what I want. And the person's like, okay, taking the picture on one, two, three. This is the picture of us. And this is the picture that I posted to Instagram. This was like, yes, this was the vision. That was the first attempt at the picture. That was the first attempt. Photobomb. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're being cute. Now get out. <laughs> because that is not the photo I had in mind. I had something completely different in mind. They messed it up. Why would they do that? Don't they know it took me a lot of seconds of my life just to plan out the perfect picture, and they messed it up. And you know why, though? Because I think I am a somewhat semi professional photographer. I like seeing the vision come to life through a photograph. And so I actually want to show you what I mean today, and I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Okay, I've seen Lena. Come on up. Y'all give Lena a hand as she comes up to stage. Yes, yes. Creatures love participation. Lena, we are going to take a picture. I'm going to describe to you how I want you to pose, and together we're going to make this vision that I have in my head come to life. Are you ready for this? All right. I picked this background out myself. Very professional. Yes. All right. So you're going to stand right in the middle of it and you're going to look out towards me. I have this extra light to add a dramatic lighting effect. Okay. Because I'm a professional. All right. And so Lena, I'm going to describe to you the pose I want to see. Okay. So what we're looking for is the posture of confidence, be yet mysterious. All right. Confidence yet mysterious. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. No confident, yet mysterious, all right? One, two. Mm. No, we need the posture of confidence. Mysteriousness, it comes from the eyes, okay? You know something we don't know, and that makes you mysterious, okay? That's what we're going for, all right? One, two, three. Uh, that's not really that great. Okay, um, let, let's let's try a different pose. Let's try a different pose. Okay, uh, let's let's say, let's go casual. Could Tony and I look casual? You know, you maybe you know, shrug the shoulders, or you know, uh, I don't know if you have pockets, but I put my thumb. Remember that? Yeah, because that's cool. Okay, so yeah, so we're going for casual, but yet eyes of wonder. You're in wonder of something. Okay, that's the pose you're going with. Okay. Um, okay, let's try that. One, two, three. Well, that didn't work out like I thought. But hey, let's give Lena a hand, anyways. As she makes her way back down. Thank you, Lena. Thank you. She gave it all she had. It just wasn't much. Um, I don't. I, well, I mean, she done great. But no matter what, no matter what I tried to tell her. I tried to give her everything I could think of to make the vision I had in my mind come to, and come to life in. No matter uh, how I described it, she didn't seem to cooperate with that posture I was looking for. Church, have you ever felt like that with God? Have you ever felt like that with God? Have you ever had a picture in mind, a picture of how you want your life to look, a picture of how you want your life to operate. And no matter how much you try to describe it, no matter how much you try to put in the effort to make it, that picture happen, God just won't cooperate with that picture. And there are times when you really want God to show up here, but he shows up over there, right? Maybe there are times you want God to pose a certain way, but he poses another and maybe there's times you just want to take a picture with God in the frame, but it seems like he's nowhere to be found. Have you ever felt that way? If you have, you are not alone. Today in our text, that is exactly how the disciples felt. Today we're reading from Luke chapter 24. And in this, in this story, we see two disciples, two followers of Jesus. They are on this road to a village called Emmaus. And as they walk along, we can see that they are discussing the the things that have happened. They are arguing. They seem scared, confused. It seems like they're lost. Because what has happened in the past few days was, Jesus has just been betrayed. He has been arrested. He has been brutally beaten. A crown of thorns put on his head. He was nailed to a cross, hung there, suffered Died. But guess what? Three days later, he steps out of the tomb and says, what up? My name's victory. Amen. But the disciples are a little behind on that. You see, because the disciples has built up in their mind a picture of of how they thought things were going to go, on how they thought things were going to turn out. They have traveled with Christ. They knew Jesus. And they're like, yes, this is how things are going to look. And then when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus was murdered, this picture was shattered. And they're left picking up the pieces. They are so distracted by what is going on with this because they have built their entire reality around this picture, their entire ideology around what is going on here. And they are so distracted by this, that they completely miss when Jesus himself shows up and starts to walk with them. They are so distracted, they don't realize it's Jesus who begins teaching them, travels with them. He sits down to eat with them, and they are so distracted because they can't take their eyes off of this to recognize Jesus. Luke chapter 24, we are going to start reading this story, and it picks up in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. This is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Who does not know what the things that have happened there these past few days? He asked, What? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed, before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. There's their picture. And what is it more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came back and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who had told them Jesus was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said, Jesus says to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. He's like, hey, let me tell you about me. They were traveling when they were approaching the village. Uh, Jesus acted like he was going to continue on, as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You might be thinking, that's kind of a crazy story. How can you not recognize when the presence of God himself is standing right next to you, teaching you? How do you not recognize that? Well, we see this before in scripture. Remember Moses? Moses was the prince of Egypt. He murdered someone, so he fled Into the wilderness, became a shepherd. Then God himself appeared to him in a burning bush and said, Moses, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. Moses didn't even recognize it. Joshua was a mighty warrior, lived with a sword in his hand. And then one night he was, he seen another warrior out in the field. So he goes out and he says, Hey, are you with us or with our enemies? And then he replied, Neither, I'm with the army of the Lord. Joshua couldn't recognize Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob wrestled with God all night in a dream, woke up, he was injured. He says in verse 16 of chapter 28, he says, surely God himself was in this place and I didn't recognize him. It sounds weird to say, but have you ever walked into a room expecting to see God there and he wasn't? Have you ever walked into a room, expected not to see God there, and then he is there? Church, it's at those moments, it's at those crossroads that are so crucial to your faith. Because just as you can be sure that when you cannot see God in your picture, he is still at work, he is still speaking, but so is the enemy. So is Satan. And Satan will try to give you false narratives lies to help put a reason as to why you cannot see God while distracting you from what God is really doing. He will give you narratives like, hey, hey, God doesn't love you and neither does anyone else. This is all fake. God doesn't love you, no one else does either. You come into this church, you hear about love, compassion, the Great Commission. It's all fake, they don't really love you. And then what you start to do is you start to isolate yourself from that redeeming community. And then you start to lash out at the church saying, You never love me. God never loved me. Y'all are a bunch of hypocrites. And then you start to drive a wedge into that community that God has established for his people. Another narrative that Satan will give you, he'll say, Hey, you can't see God because you messed up. You ticked him off and he doesn't want to be seen around you. You really messed up this time. That's why you can't see God. And then what you start to do is you start to look into the rear view mirror of your life. You start to think, oh man, how many times did I sin this past week? Oh my gosh, look at what all I've done. No wonder God doesn't want to be around me. I'm a filthy person. The devil will give you false narratives as to why you cannot see God and he will distract you from what God is really doing. You see, church, when you cannot see God, The fog and the confusion can begin to erase the testimony of God's goodness and grace. That's how the devil works. When you cannot see God, the fog and the confusion, the devil will begin to erase the goodness and grace of God in your life. Here's a big one the devil will give you. Hey, the reason you can't see God, really, what kind of God is hard to find? What kind of God is this hard to find? When you have a child of God, when someone that God loves calls out to him and he doesn't answer in the way you want him to, what kind of God is that? It's a hard place to be in when you are crying out to God about something that is important to you, but it doesn't feel important to him because he's not answering in the way you thought, when you thought, how you want it. He is not answering within your picture. Then the next thing you know, you get stuck. You feel spiritually stuck. You feel spiritually lost, maybe confused. That's how you felt. The disciples felt the same way. And if you are in that place, or maybe someday you're going to be in that place, because this is is challenges we face in our Christian walk, I want to give you three things from this passage of Scripture, three things to help keep you moving down the road, Three things to help you not get stuck. I don't want to see anyone get stuck, throw in the towel, call it quits, or admit defeat. So three things we're going to look at. The first one, being lost is a matter of perspective. Being lost is a matter of perspective. Dr. Luke does not give us too much insight into who these two disciples were. We know one of them's name was Cleopas, but... We don't know too much about them. We don't know why they were traveling to Emmaus. We don't know what road they took. But what we do know about these two disciples is that they feel spiritually lost. They are heartbroken. Their spirits feel crushed. They're probably confused because they had built in their mind this picture of how things were supposed to go. And when this picture was wiped away, they feel stuck Maybe you feel that way too, like you're not significant enough for God to be around. But I love that we can rest in the promises of God. I love this verse because this might be my favorite verse from the text. Luke chapter 24 verse 15 says, Jesus himself drew near and began to walk with them." Jesus himself, not some middle management angel, God didn't say, hey, Michael, my archangel, can you go tell them all's good? Or, hey, Gabriel, my messenger, can you go tell them I'm alive and here's the game plan? No, when a child of God is hurting, when a child of God is broken, Jesus himself draws near and begins to walk with them. We see this throughout some other promises in Scripture. Psalms 34, verse 18. Love this verse. Psalms 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. What a promise. The Lord is near. Present tense. Not the Lord was near. Not the Lord will be near when he sees fit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe the reason you can't see God today is because you are brokenhearted. Your spirit has been crushed. And it's hard to see God through that. But rest in the fact that we can rely on the promises of God that he is near to the brokenhearted. He is not just near to the people who seem to have it all together. Lost is only a matter of perspective. Psalms uh, Psalms 119, 151, you are near, Lord, and all of your commandments are true. Psalms 145, verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We claim a truth when we call on God to be near. Often, when the fog and the confusion of life's circumstances set in, we often start with the wrong perspective. We often start with the wrong perspective. We look at the things we can see. We look at the things we can see. Listen. I can see physically, I can see all of these circumstances I'm dealing with. And because of these circumstances, I will therefore make a wrong determination about the presence of God. We start with the wrong perspective. It's not about what you can see. The right perspective is, am I seen? That is where you start. Am I seen? When there is more month than money, am I seen? When my marriage is falling apart, am I seen? When my kids are going haywire, am I seen? When my job is crumbling right in front of me, am I seen? In the midst of my school, my friends, the toxic relationships, am I seen? When someone I love is suffering, or maybe have passed, am I seen? That is the question we need to rest in because when we ask that question, am I seen, we can turn to scriptures, we can turn to prayer and rest in the promises that God has given us that he sees us and he draws near to the brokenhearted. Am I seen? The disciples were lost, but when a child of God calls out his name, God himself shows up. God himself will answer the call on that. Because lost It's only a matter of perspective. We might feel spiritually lost at times, but you are never too far gone from the reach and the grace of God. And you're not lost enough to where he won't draw near and begin to walk with you. It's a matter of perspective. Number two, number two, Jesus is at work even though you can't see it. That's a hard one. Jesus is at work even though you cannot see it. Jesus, before the foundation of the earth, was called upon by God to go to the cross, to bear the sins of the entire world, to die, and to resurrect and claim victory. That was the plan. That has always been the plan, and that plan has always been in effect. Jesus is always working on that plan, working through that plan, even when you cannot see it. Even when you cannot see it, the plan has always been to redeem, restore, and make all things new. Amen. That is the promise we can rest in, that Jesus is always at work. Jesus is, more often than not, is at work in ways we can't even see. But here's the thing. When that happens, when you cannot see God working, what do we do? That's the question we ask, right? Right? God, what do I do? What do I do, God? Give me a to-do list. Give me a way I can make this better now. What do I do, God? That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. It's not about, God, what should I do? It's about, God, what have you done? What have you done, God? And because of who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing, I will then know what to do. You see, we start at the wrong place. Why do we always think God wants us to do something? We at times think that God is expecting something of us instead of us expecting something of him. God, what do I do? No, it's God, what have you done? And because of what you've done, who you are, and what you're doing, I will then know what to do. You see, so many times we start at the end. What do I do? You see, listen to me. What should I do should always be in response to who God is, what he's done, and therefore what he's doing. I'll say that again. What we should do in a circumstance, what should I do should always be in response to who God is, what he's done, and therefore what he's doing. I want to make two observations about this point that the Lord has given to me because, and that I need it, and I hope it blesses you too. The first observation is, first observation is, when I struggle to see God, there's often a reason, and it's often leading to a new season. When I can't see God, it's because of a reason, and it's often leading to a new season. Moses. Moses did not recognize God at first, but guess what? God was setting him up What was the setup? The new season. What was the new season? To lead his people out of captivity. Joshua could not recognize, but guess what? God was setting him up to lead his people in the victory. Jacob could not recognize, but guess what? God was setting him up for a new season. What was the new season? To become the father of his nation. The disciples could not recognize Christ after he resurrected, but guess what? God was setting them up. He was setting them up. What was the setup? to establish his community, to establish his church here on earth. When it comes to God, be ready for the setup. If you cannot see him, it's often for a reason, and it's often leading to a new season. Be ready for the setup. Second observation. When I struggle to see God, he's often trying to teach me an old truth in a new way. When I struggle to see him, me personally, it's because he's probably trying to teach me an old truth in a new way. And I'll tell you why. Before I came on staff here full time, I was working at another job. I had about a week left. And the devil was really trying to give me those false narratives. He was really trying to give me those lies. He would say things like, This church deserves better than you. You know your mistakes. They deserve better. This church deserves someone more qualified than you. This church will care less about what you have to offer. And I would start to be distracted by those things to where God, he needed to teach me an old truth in a new way. My last day of employment at, the, at my previous job, they took me out to lunch, and then they gave me a uh, present. It was a picture that hangs above my office above my desk in my office. Here's the picture. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, not harm you. Plans for a hope in the future. When I received that, I said, Okay, God, I see you. He was trying to teach me an old truth in a new way. He was trying to teach me that He has the plans for my life. He is the one who calls me to what I'm going to do. He is the one who qualifies me and no one else. He is the one that provides for me and no one else. While I was worried about what I had to offer, what I could bring or what I couldn't bring to the table, God gives me a reminder and says, no, 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 no. Here's the picture for your life. This is what you have in me. I used to think this verse was a little cliche because I heard it so much. But I tell you what, it becomes a whole lot more real when it's added to your testimony. And I see it in a new way now because it says, for I know the plans, not plan. God's calling for your life. It's not just one singular thing. For I know the plans, plural, I have for your life. Plans, plural, to prosper and not harm you. Plans, plural, for a hope in the future. That's the promise I can rest in. That is what he was trying to show me. God will often, even when you cannot see him, he will teach you an old truth in a new way. Number three, Jesus was more interested with what they believed rather than what they could see. He's more interested with what you believe rather than what you can see. You see, the disciples, they didn't recognize him. You know, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, Jesus says, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe what the prophets wrote in scriptures? He's like, guys, it was there the whole time. It was there the whole time. I taught you about these things. Why couldn't you just believe that? If you would arrest it and what was written about what was going to happen, you could probably see me right now. Guys, come on, it's right there. You see, we think we see things with this. Jesus says we see things with this. The disciples sat down to dinner with him, still not knowing who he was. And Jesus took the bread, broke it, gave thanks, gave it to them. And what happened? They see him. They said, there he is. That's Jesus. They had physical proof, tangible evidence right in front of them. No doubt in their mind. They've probably even seen the nail pierced hands as he broke the bread. They're like, that's Jesus. Then what happened? He disappeared. You see, from the moment that the disciples realized with their eyes, they had tangible evidence. They had tangible proof that is Jesus with their eyes. It quit being about faith. It quit being about faith. You see, church, there are going to be certain journeys that you face in your walk with Christ. If you haven't faced them already, you will. And you'll probably face more if you had them in the past. There are going to be certain journeys, certain paths, certain truths, certain things in your life, in your journey with Christ, that you are going to be asking Christ, God, please just give me some tangible proof of what to do. Give me evidence of what to do. Give me the to-do plan, the to-do list. God, please help me see what to do. God, I need to know what the game plan is. Does it fit into my picture? God, can I see what's coming next? And God's going to say, I can't give this to you. Because as long as you are asking for those, you will not be able to recognize them. Jesus cares more about what you believe rather than what you can see. Church, God has a plan for your life. Plans, plural. God has things in store for your life from the foundation of the earth. The plan has always been to redeem, restore Make all things new. That has always been the plan. You see, if you're just like me, at times I feel like I cannot see God, but we can rest in these three things. That if you feel lost, it is only a matter of perspective. When you feel lost, it's only a matter of perspective. And you're not really lost. Because Jesus himself will draw near Jesus is at work even when you can't see it. The plan has always been in motion. And he cares more about what you believe rather than what you can see. I love the prayer of Paul to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays this prayer over them, and I want this to become the prayer for our church here today. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, in this holy people. That is our prayer this morning, church. Here's the truth. Most of us, we want to be here, don't we? We have the picture in mind, even after we came to Christ, we're like, this is how things are gonna go now. This is the vision I have in mind. I want God to be a part of this. I would really like to be calling the shots from here. We like to call the shots, don't we? We want to be here saying, pose this way, show up this way, move this way. I want to take this picture. We want to be here, but the truth is, church, God has called us to be here. He calls us to be right here. Who better than to know the best picture for your life than the very artist who created you who breathes the breath of life into you, who has had the plans in store from you from the foundation of time. Who better to know that picture than Jesus Christ himself? Who better to rely on in that picture than the one who created you? To the one who instills these promises into you. The promise, let's throw that scripture back up on the screen. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. This is the picture he has for Church, maybe it's time we get rid of this picture. Maybe it's time we call it quits and recognize that we're not the grand artist. We're not the one who has the best picture for our life. We want to have control, yes. But that's not what God has called us to. We want to see things our way. That's not what he's called us to. We want to tell him how we want to see him work in this way, pose this way. That's not what he's called us to. Maybe it's time we scrap that picture Maybe it's time we claim a new one right there. Maybe it's time we find it's this one we're going to rest in. And maybe we can make this declaration today. The declaration that I'm no longer trusting in my picture. I'm trusting in God's picture for my life. At times I feel spiritually lost. I'm trusting in that picture. At times I feel like I can't see God. I'm going to trust in this picture and that he's still working on those plans in me and through me. Although I might not see it right in front of me. I'm going to believe through faith that this picture is the best picture that God could ever have in store for anybody. Maybe it's time we claim that today. And if you're with me, I'm going to ask that you do one thing. Can everyone take out your phone? That sounds weird for a preacher to say, right? It's okay. Take out your phone. Let's claim a new picture today. I'm going to ask that you pull up your camera app and you take a picture of that verse on that screen. Take a picture. If you don't have a camera phone, that's fine. Maybe you can type it out. This is the picture for your life, not this. Maybe it's time we put some, a new claim to that today. What I'm going to ask you to do with that picture Instead of trying to get the perfect Instagram photo, the perfect posture, the perfect perfect eyesight, the perfect filters, instead of doctoring it up so we can put it online, maybe it's time we do something different. I'm going to ask that you take that picture and you post it to your social media. If you don't have a social media, that's fine. Send it to a friend. You don't need to put a caption with it if you don't want to, but maybe it's time we start putting out there that we trust in this picture for our life, that God has the plans, plural, for our life, plans to prosper and not harm us, plans, plural, for our hope in the future. And we need to quit being distracted by trying to get this picture. Scrap it. Let's turn to a new one. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to or maybe you just want more information about our church be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step thanks again for joining and we will see you back here next time